This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I want you, if you would please, to go with me into the Old Testament to the book of Jonah. And we're going to read through the entire first chapter yet again, Jonah chapter number one and verse number one. As we came to the book of Jonah last week, we looked at the subject, arise, go to Nineveh. Uh, We saw the call of God that came upon Jonah. And then the commission that God gave him, that he would not just simply serve as a prophet, but that he would go to Nineveh. The conflict that arose within Jonah's heart being the fact that the Ninevites were the enemies of Israel. Uh, Jonah lived in Galilee. That's the region he was from. And the enemy of the ten northern tribes, of course, was the Assyrians, also the enemy of Judah in the south. The Ninevites were known for their cruelty. They invented cruel, wicked forms of torture, things that are barbaric and unmentionable. And God is saying to Jonah, I want you to go to that group of people, and I want you to preach to them. And then we see the course that Jonah set. He went down from the presence of the Lord. God sent a call out to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh. And the Bible tells us in verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee. I'm going to speak to you on that subject this evening. Jonah rose up to flee. He was running from the presence of God. He's running from the will of God. And I want us to begin reading in verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou? O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? 
What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come before your word, the living book of God, the perfect book. I pray that you would speak to us, breathe life into our inner man, give us understanding, help us that we might obey you, that we might know not only that this event was recorded for the sake of those who lived it, but for our sake this evening. These things are examples to us, to speak to us, to direct us. So I pray that you would. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee. Jonah is a portrait of a man on the run. He is the portrait of the man who is running from God. He is a portrait of the man who is outside of the will of God. God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. That purpose and plan centers upon his purpose that all the world would hear the gospel. And God has called us, those of us who know him as Savior, he has redeemed us and saved us and brought us into his family and revealed to us his truth so that we might be witnesses for him. But so many times we, in our stubbornness and in our rebellion and in our lack of understanding, we go adrift from God's purposes. We get outside of the will of God. Sometimes because of our foolishness and our will, we rebel against God and sin against God, choosing not to do or even to consider what God has for us. And we take a long course from the presence of the Lord. We rise up day to day, not to rush into the presence of God, but to flee from it. Adam, when he and Eve sinned in the garden, heard the voice of God walking 
as they had heard so many times. And because of their sin, they didn't run to him, they ran from him. And we live in a world that's filled with people running from God. Maybe tonight you find yourself there. You're not on a boat to Tarshish, but you're anywhere but where God wants you to be. And you have no intention of getting where God wants you to be. Well, I want you to know that you serve a God, you know a God, if you're a Christian, who is in the business of pursuing after his people. And if you know the Lord, he cannot let you go, and he will pursue you. I want us to note some things this evening as we think about this man on the run. First of all, I want us to see the stormy sea. The stormy sea. The scene is set for us in verse number four. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Now Jonah did what most people running from God do. He devised a plan. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down to Tarshish. I'm going to go anywhere but where God wants me to be. In fact, I'm going the opposite direction. And I'm not only going away from where God wants me to be, I'm going away from the Lord. I don't want to deal with him. I don't want to hear his voice. I don't want this burden upon me. I just want to get out from under it. I just want to be normal. You ever heard that expression? I want to tell you, if you belong to God, you can't ever be normal because you belong to him. The Bible said that we are his peculiar treasure. When I speak to my children about things that my wife and I expect for them, sometimes they might misunderstand the reason that I would have them do certain things. And this is what I want them to know. I don't ask them to do anything because of a particular office that I hold or position that I have. I ask them to do the things that I ask them to do because they're my children. And because I believe that these are things that would honor God. And the truth of the matter is if you know the Lord, you're his child. You belong to him. You're not one of the foe of the group out here in the world. You're not a part of this world. You have been called. You have been set apart. You are holy unto the Lord. You belong to him. And so to think that you can get away from God is a foolish thought altogether. The Lord speaks of the 99 sheep that were in the fold, but there was one who got away. And was he content with the 99? No. He left the 99 and he went after the one. Because it's just not the same unless everybody is together. Sometimes we will gather our family, we'll do some special things or have a special occasion in our family, and it's, not, it's just not the same unless everybody's there. That's the way it is with God. He wants all of us with him. He wants all of us to discover the joy of knowing him and serving him. He wants to commune with us. He wants us in his will. 
And so when Jonah left to flee from the presence of the Lord, guess who went after him? The Lord. And how did he do it? Well, the Bible tells us in verse number four, but the Lord sent out a great wind. Jonah had all of his plans. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He got down to Tarshish and he found a ship and he thought, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. (laughs) But the Lord said no. And he sent out a great wind, a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Do you know God has no problem breaking my plans or yours? And he reserves the right to do so. Because what is important is not my plans or your plans. What is important are his plans for your life. And by the way, no plans will ever match up with his plan. No plan that you could have for your child, no plan that you could have for your own life will ever be what it could be if we submitted to God's plan. And so this mighty tempest comes. It's a large storm of wind. It's an unusual storm of wind, so great that the ship was about to break apart. Now, not all storms that we encounter in life are the result of disobedience. Some, some of the storms that we encounter are a result of our obedience. Remember when the Lord Jesus said to the disciples, get on board the vessel, go to the other side? He knew that the storm was coming. They encountered the storm in the will of God. So not all storms that come to us are a result of disobedience. But in this case, the storm that came to Jonah was a result of his disobedience. It was God's plan to correct Jonah's course. And let me tell you that God always has a plan to correct our course. Those of you who have walked with God for many years and have gotten off course, you recognize that there have been times in your life when God has corrected your course. You see, Jonah was called in commission to go to Nineveh. He wasn't free to make any other choice, and neither are you and I. We belong to the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. I hope you'll look at it with me if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to give you three references in the, birth, in the book of 1 Corinthians. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19, Paul the apostle asked the question, what? Let me have your attention, he said. What? You're thinking something? You got a plan for your life? You're deciding to do things your way? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Oh, we hear that often today, don't we? It's my body. It's my life. I can do anything I want to. No, it's his body. It's his life in you. And you can't do anything you want to. The Bible says in verse number 20, for ye are bought with a price. That was sung this morning in our services, bought with a price. What was the price that was paid? It was the price of the precious blood of Christ that was shed to redeem us, to purchase us back 
from the market of sin. We were in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to our flesh. We were in bondage to the devil. But Jesus Christ paid the fee of our redemption to redeem us to himself. And we belong to God now, not only by creation, but by act of redemption. We are his possession. We are his peculiar people. The Bible says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit. Look at chapter 7 and verse number 23. Paul continuing on this theme. He says, you are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Let me add this, or the servant of self. Be not ye the servants of men or the servants of self. Sometimes we want the approval of people so much that we disregard the approval of God. We want people to think well of us. We want to impress them. We want them to be happy with us. And we disregard what the Lord thinks of us. Be not ye the servants of men, brethren. Let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. In other words, we do not have the option of getting outside of what God has called us to do. Jonah did not have the option to flee and leave behind the work that God had called him to in Nineveh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 16, if you'll look there with me, the apostle Paul now dealing with his apostleship, which was under attack. There were false teachers in Corinth who, who wanted to discredit the Apostle Paul. And in, in, in defense of his own apostleship and his ministry, he says in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. In other words, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not doing this to be seen of men. I'm not doing this uh, to be recognized He says, I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me. I do this because I have to do it. Now, don't get it wrong. It's not that he didn't want to. He delighted in doing the will of God. He desired to do the will of God. But he also recognized that God had called him, God had chosen him, and he was to do the work that God had given him to do. Remember what the Lord said to him on the road to Damascus? He said, he said, Paul, how long are you going to kick against the pricks? You see, all along in Paul's rebellion and obstinance against God, while the Holy Spirit was dealing with him, before he became a Christian, while he was persecuting Christians, trying to drown out the voice of those who could preach the gospel to him, all along the Holy Spirit was prodding him. A prod is a sharp stick, a long stick. A farmer would use that to keep his animals moving along the trail or along the path. And that's the language the Lord used. How long will you kick against the pricks? I'm dealing with you. How long will you rebel? How long will you fight against me? Paul said, wait a minute. Necessity is laid upon me. Notice this, he says in verse 16, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He was called as an apostle and a preacher of the gospel. We are called as Christians and witnesses. And may God help us to fulfill the calling that he has placed upon our lives. 
Jeremiah understood this calling, and he said in Jeremiah chapter number 20 and verse number 7, he said, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spoke, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. You see, Jeremiah, he did not have a growing ministry. He did not have a popular ministry. No one was laying accolades on Jeremiah. The people weren't shaking his hand after the sermon and saying, man, that was really good today, Jeremiah. Thank you, that helped me so much. There was none of that in the life of Jeremiah. In fact, what it was was ridicule and scorn and persecution and hatred and enmity because the people who heard his message said, why would you say such a thing to us? And the kings who governed would say, Jeremiah, we don't want to hear that anymore. And they would put him in prison and in the dungeon. Well, that works on you, doesn't it? Absolutely it does. It discourages you, doesn't it? Absolutely. Nobody wants to be perceived as a failure. But Jeremiah was anything but a failure. He said, then I said in verse number nine, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Uh, Jeremiah got to the place where a lot of people get. I'm finished. I'm through with church. I've been hurt there. I didn't, I didn't, get, I didn't get any credit. I, I didn't get any recognition. Uh, somebody said something about me. My, my Sunday school class did not go the way I anticipated. And so I'm done. That's where many Christians have gotten to today. And Jeremiah said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart. As a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. You see, there was a storm, a storm raging, not on the sea, but in the soul. And when you're outside of the will of God, when you're running from the presence of the Lord, there will be no peace, there will be no contentment, there will always be a stormy sea raging in your soul. And there's only one way to deal with the stormy sea, to stop running, to turn around and say yes to Jesus. Surrender to his will. The stormy sea. I want you to see a second thing, and that is the scared sailors the scared sailors the bible says in verse number five then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his god and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them you see this was an unusual storm it was a mighty storm it was a tempestuous storm the Bible said that the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. This was not the season for these type of storms, and this was not a usual wind that they would have been accustomed to. This was unlike any wind they had ever encountered. It was obvious to them that something supernatural was occurring, and they were afraid. The Bible said, and they cried, every man under their God, little God, G-O-D. Here these superstitious men in their idolatry cried out unto their gods. They had a prayer meeting. They said, hey, fellas, 
You pray to your God. It doesn't matter which God it is. You just pray to them. And let's see if we can make it through this storm. And then they did all that they could. They lightened the ship of its lading. And then they recognized there was somebody on board who was not joining in in the effort, who was not involved in the prayer meeting. It was a fellow named Jonah. This unusual guy who had purchased a ticket and got on board the boat. He was down inside the boat fast asleep. And the shipmaster came to him in verse number six and said, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. Now, notice the word God there is the word, it's capitalized, G-O-D. That is the word Elohim. That means the almighty God. We're not going to fool with these little gods anymore. Jonah is a man who they recognize as serving God, the almighty God. We need his help. And we need you, Jonah, to call on God. You see, these sailors were scared. In verse number seven, they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots. They had dice, and they would roll the dice to reveal who it was that was the recipient of the judgment. Obviously, it was a superstitious way to determine things, and there was no true knowledge of God, but yet God using that, overruling in that, is going to use it to reveal himself to them. And so the lot is cast upon Jonah. In verse number eight, then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What are you doing here? What is it that you do? There's something unusual about you. We, we certainly understand now that the storm is here because of you. What is thy country and of what people art thou? They knew there was something different about him. By the way, if you're a Christian and you belong to God, the world knows there's something different about you. They know it. And by the way, if they don't know it, that's a really scary sign. You see, these scared sailors in the midst of the trouble are looking for answers. And by the way, we live in a world that is full of trouble. The wind is tempestuous. The ship is about to come apart. And there are scared people who are looking for answers. And you may be the only one who can help them. Notice Jonah's response in verse number nine. And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew and fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. You see, they prayed to the gods of the sea. They prayed to the gods of the dry land. But Jonah said, wait a minute. I know the true and the living God who created the sea and the dry land. The Bible says in verse 10, then, were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You see, the lesson we learn here is that a man on the run from the Lord not only causes trouble in his life, but he brings others into his trouble. Remember what God said to Abraham? He said, through thee will all the families, the nations of the earth be blessed. Abraham, I'm calling you. You're going to become my man. 
you and your wife Sarah are going to have a child, a child of promise, and you're going to have a multitude of grandchildren, and your seed will be a blessing. It will be a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your children, and through you will all the families of the earth be blessed. In other words, you're going to be my missionary, and everybody on earth is going to know who I am because they see in you that there's something different about you, and they're going to want to know who your God is, and you need to tell them. And so Abraham and Sarah, they leave Ur of the Chaldees, and they go to Egypt. Well, first they go to, they make their way to Canaan, and in Canaan there's a famine. And in the midst of the famine, what do they do? They go to Egypt. Just a difficulty, just a trial, just a little storm that befalls them. And they go to Egypt. And what does Abraham do there? He says, Sarah is my sister. And what does the Pharaoh do? He takes Sarah into his house as if he were going to marry her. And God puts a curse on the Pharaoh. And God reveals to Pharaoh that Sarah is not Abraham's sister. She is his wife. And the Pharaoh says to Abraham, Look at the position you put me in. I could have sinned. I could have brought judgment upon my people because you did not tell me the truth. And I want to tell you, when we decide as Christians to live any way we want to live, when we decide to run, against, uh, run from God and, and get contrary to his will, here's what we need to understand. We're endangering the lives of people around us. These sailors are scared, and they're crying out for help. We notice, thirdly, something that has been very obvious thus far is that while the storm is raging and the mariners are afraid, where do we find Jonah? We find him asleep. And so thirdly, we see the sleeping prophet. The sleeping prophet. The Bible says in verse number five, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was nowhere to be found. He was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise. We find that word often in this opening chapter, don't we? Arise, go to Nineveh. Jonah rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. The shipmaster says to Jonah, arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. You see, we live in a world that is perishing. We have a Savior who came to rescue them from perishing. And he has commissioned us and sent us to go into a lost and dying world and preach the gospel to them so that they would not perish. But the trouble is, while the ship is about to break apart, many are asleep outside of the will of God. Do you know that any time you and I get outside the will of God, we get sleepy, don't we? We're just not alert. We're not aware. We're not awakened to the situation and its gravity. 
to the danger that befalls those who do not know Jesus. We are not alert to his purpose and his plan for our lives. We become numb, deadened in our conscience and in our soul as we step outside of the will of God. I do not want to live out my days sleeping underneath the deck of the boat. I want to be on board the vessel at the deck, rescuing souls, caring for the dying, snatching them in pity from sin in the grave. May God help us to awaken. Jonah slept and the church is asleep. While the, while the world goes to hell, the church sleeps. While countless babies are being killed in the womb, the church sleeps. While corruption is rampant, in the halls of government, the church sleeps. While violence fills the streets, the church sleeps. While the family comes apart, the church sleeps. May God help us to wake up. The world is asking the question, what meanest thou? Oh, sleeper, just when we need you, you're nowhere to be found. In the midst of this pandemic, churches have ceased from meeting. I understand, I understand that part of that initially at least was something that was wise, but the truth of the matter is now so many have gotten used to it. And while we're concerned about our physical existence, the spiritual existence of souls on their way to an eternity in hell, their needs are going unmet. May God help us to awake from our slumber, to awake from our little world that we've created for ourselves, to understand there's a storm and people need help. May God awaken us. And I truly believe that what God is doing now is awakening. It's awakening a church. It's awakening a people. And I pray that it will awaken at least some in our nation. We see fourthly, a sovereign God, the sovereign God. You see, while, while the men on board the boat think that everything is falling apart, there's a God in heaven who is in complete control. By the way, he's in control tonight, isn't he? He's in complete control. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. By the way, when I'm in rebellion against God, when I'm outside of the will of God and the storm begins to blow I always know when God is dealing with me. 
do you know when he's dealing with you? He was dealing with Jonah, and Jonah knew it. And he said, fellas, if you want this storm to stop, throw me overboard. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. You see, what we find here is not only that the Lord is pursuing Jonah and correcting his course, but we find here that the Lord is pursuing these sailors and seeking to get them on course. They don't know him. They know there is a God. They're beginning to see his power in the storm. He is beginning to reveal himself to them through this backslidden, sleepy prophet. And by the way, God can accomplish his purposes in spite of my disobedience. God can overrule and do what he wants to do. You see, they saw his power. They rode hard. These were experienced sailors. They rode hard to bring it to land. Normally that would work, but this time it would not. They had met a God who was too strong for them. The world wants a God it can control and contain and wind up like a little doll and tell what to do, but our God is in control. and We must learn to submit to him. They saw his power. They feared him. Notice in verse 14, wherefore they cried unto the Lord. Now notice the change in the title here or in the name of God. Before, they're crying out and saying, Jonah, pray unto God, Elohim, the almighty God. But now they're saying to Jonah, cry out to Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God. You see, they're learning who God is. He is revealing himself to them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord. Now they've forsaken their gods. They're crying out to the one true and living God and said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. By the way, he always does as it pleases him. These are men who began to fear God, and they responded to his revelation. Notice in verse 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. What is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Here was a group of sailors who didn't know who the true and the living God was. But now as they fear God, they're going to know who he is. Notice what they did. And offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. There was a crew of hardened sailors, superstitious men who had seen it all on the seas but did not know the true and the living God. And they they took in a backslidden preacher and they went through a storm. And you know what they found out? They found out who the true and the living God was. And they responded and humbled themselves and worshiped him. And here we find that God does as he pleases. Not only is he interested in saving the Ninevites, but he's interested in saving the men on board this ship. 
and even in our rebellion, even in our disobedience, God can bring his purposes about. That's the God we serve. Isn't he a mighty God? He's sovereign. Jonah said, I'm not going. I'm out of here. I'm fleeing. I'm heading out. And the Bible says that the Lord sent out a wind. By the way, in chapter 1 and verse number 17, the Bible tells us that God prepared a great fish. <laughs> then the Bible tells us in chapter 4 and verse number 6, after the people repented in Nineveh, and Jonah was so angry with God because the enemies of Israel had now received mercy. The Bible said, and God prepared a gourd chapter 4 and verse 6. And then in chapter 4 and verse number 7, God prepared a worm to eat the gourd. And then the Bible says in chapter 4 and verse number 8, God prepared a vehement east wind, a hot wind, a cutting wind. You see, God knows how to deal with us, and God is in control. And he will not leave you to your own devices if you belong to him. He will pursue after you. There's an old song we used to sing. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see t'was best for him to have his way with thee. I want to ask you a question. Whose way are you following? Are you one of these people who say, you know, I just want to do what I want to do? Well, let me tell you, you may find yourself in the midst of a tempestuous sea. You may find yourself in the belly of a great fish. That's no place to be. And you don't have to go there. If you just simply tonight bow your neck and bow your knee and say, Lord Jesus, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Are you willing tonight to say, Lord, Thank you for saving me. I belong to you. By the way, if you're not saved, are you willing to receive him as your savior? These men on board the boat did. Then it say, you know, I think I need more evidence. I think I need more time to consider it. I mean, honestly, there's so many ways to God and there's so many religions out here. Oh no, when they encountered the true and the living God, they bowed the knee to him immediately. Will you bow the knee to Jesus? Will you call upon him? And Christian friend, if you've done that, then what has God called you to do? Well, as a husband, it's to lead your family, to love your wife, to love your children, to teach them the truths of God's word. You see, you have a ministry. As a coworker and as a neighbor, it is to live a Christian life and to share the message of the gospel, to be faithful to church. You know, not just to take it as it fits your schedule. Not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. 
to support the work of God with tithes and offerings. What more could you invest your life in? What greater purpose could you ever be involved in than the purpose of the New Testament church, which is the organism, it is the organization started by Christ, it is where his work is done. Let's fulfill our calling. Mom, wife, mother, grandmother, let's fulfill our calling. Young person, Going back to school, what am I going to major in? What am I going to enjoy doing? What will provide me the most security in life? What will give me the greatest income? Where's the best opportunity to meet my dream man or dream girl? No. Just say, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.